0: the reading of God's Word this morning. We are in Luke chapter 9 this morning. Luke chapter 9, verse 23 through 27. This is the Word of the Lord. And He said to them, If anyone would come after Me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow Me. Whoever would, who would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for My sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? Whoever is ashamed of me and of my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes into his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. But I tell you truly, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. May we be blessed by the reading of God's word this morning. You may be seated. It's one of those moments uh, for me as a pastor. We're, we're moving from 2nd Timothy into uh, this new s- season, but we'll move into Advent uh, at the end of November. So there's uh, four weeks in uh, December that we have covered. We have a few weeks in the middle And Tennyson and I were driving. She said, what are you going to preach on next? And I was like, I I don't know, Tennyson, because I only have a couple weeks before Advent uh, to teach. And so uh, that was uh, earlier, and I began to just pray and cry out to God and uh, came across what I thought I was going to preach. And then last night, thank God for an extra hour. uh, Y'all might have had rest. I did not. I had an extra hour studying. I got to about the 10 o'clock hour, literally and uh, you can ask John, scrap the message completely uh, and came to this passage. And this passage, I just wrestled all week. God, what do you want me to teach your people? Uh, in light of what we have been experienced as a church, what we talked about last Sunday night, what, God, what would you have for me to talk about? And we talked last week a little bit about what I was going to teach. What I was going to teach was the greatest commandment, love God and love love others. And if we would do that as a church, really embody the greatest commandment to love God and to love other people, we would see a difference internally and we'd see a difference in our world externally. And I just began to pray through that passage and studied the passage and have studied the passage a lot and got to about 10 o'clock and just felt like that ain't it. And I don't know if you have ever felt this in anything you do, but when you're at like the last hour and you're like, ah, uh, th- there's a panic that sets in. And, and it's never good as a preacher at 10 o'clock the Saturday before for the panic to set in, um, but it, it set in. And I think out of the panic made me desperate to hear from the Lord. And I hope this comes to you from the Lord, not from what I, uh, I believe uh, is from me. But when I look back at at the passage of Matthew 22 about the greatest commandment, it it began to lead me to this question I want to ask us this morning. What is it about loving God and loving others that's so difficult? There's something in us, if we're honest with ourselves, to love God that's difficult. And if we're really, really honest, loving other people is really difficult. And God brought me to this passage about this. But he brought me to two words that I believe are are the most powerful words in all the New Testament. It starts back, if you want to flip to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4 is where we find these words first. Here's kind of the context of these words. And these two words that I want to focus on all morning. So I'm going to start with it. I'm going to smash it in the middle. I'm going to end with it. But I'm going to start with where these two words started. Here's Jesus. He's been made way from John the Baptist in chapter 3. Remember, John the Baptist was given uh, the the command from God to make way for the, the Lord. And he says over and over, Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And so that's all we have. In chapter 4, we see the temptation of Jesus. The temptation of Jesus is God's way of preparing Jesus for ministry. Then we come out of that temptation in chapter 4, and it says this. In verse 17, it says this. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, saying what? repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Now he's saying, hey, look, you've got to repent to come to my kingdom and then look at what he does next. He says, I can't do this alone. Now, that's not explicit in the text, but we see it in the text because if he could do it alone, he wouldn't have done the next step. The next step was what? He called people to be his disciples, so it says, while walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who he would call Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting their nets into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Catch these two words Follow me. Of all the things that Jesus could have told him to do before he called them, he didn't. He only said two words Follow me me. Just come behind me, follow me. That is the call of every disciple. If you are a Christ follower this morning, you are called by God to follow him. And then the rest of the gospels is Jesus showing us what it means to follow him. Now I'm going to come back to our text this morning. Now flip all the way to the end of the gospels in the book the letter of John, or the Gospel of John. Here's the scene that we are engaged in in this text. Jesus has already died on the cross. Jesus was buried, chapter 20. Jesus rises from the dead. Jesus appears to his disciples. He hangs out with them for a long while. And then it says these men were fishing Getting ready for breakfast. They see, Peter sees Jesus from the shore. Peter goes mad, jumps out of the boat, swims. I think a better approach would have been just row, row, row your boat. It's a much quicker approach. But he and his uh, desire to see Jesus so badly, he jumps in, swims to Jesus. And then Jesus has this conversation with Peter. Peter says at breakfast, says, when they, and this is uh, chapter 21, verse 15. Jesus had already taken the bread and broke it and they drank and they ate. And it says when they, the disciples, had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon, Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Peter said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you, he said to him. Tend to my sheep then. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he had said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This was said to him to show the kind of death that he was to glorify God. Now, before I get to the end of that verse, I want to remind you what had happened with Peter. Remember what had happened to Peter was that night that Jesus was betrayed. Who else betrayed Jesus was Peter. And Jesus said to Peter, You are going to betray me. When the rooster crows, you are going to betray me. This is Jesus restoring Peter back to his original call. His original call was what? To follow him. So now Jesus is restoring Peter to his original call to follow him. And now look what Jesus says. The last thing he says to Peter is also the first thing he ever said to Peter. What does he say to him in the text? And after saying this, he said to him, what? Follow me. Now let's go to our text here in Luke this morning. Because now I want to answer the question, then how come it's so hard to love God and love other people? Because we don't follow him. If we just strip it down to its core... We are in the conflicts we get into because we're not following God and loving him and we're not following Christ as we love other people. So we are called to follow him. Now look what Jesus says in this text this morning. He said this to them. This is after Jesus, which would have been amazing to see this. This is where Jesus, in Luke 9, Jesus feeds the 5,000. That would have been a miracle in and of itself. Now Peter had seen that. Next, what happens is in the very next uh, thing that happens to Peter, remember Peter and Jesus are having this conversation, and Jesus says to Peter, hey, who do you say I am? Remember that in the text. Who do you say I am? And Peter, in in the moment, gets it right. You are the Christ. And then after saying you're the Christ, Jesus says, hey, let me tell you what it means for me to be the Christ. Let me let you in on what's going on behind the scenes. You are correct in me being the Christ, and because I'm the Christ, i got to suffer and die. So this is the context of what's happening in the passage where we're about to see what Jesus now says to us and his disciples. The context is what? Death. The context is sacrifice. The context is obedience. Because Jesus says, this is what I've been called to do, From my Father, this is what's happening in me. And then he says this, in verse 23. He says, and he said to them all, all those people, if anyone would come after me. So now there's an invitation given out. This is not a demand. So the first thing you have to know, and I have to know, before we even follow Christ, you are like the disciples. You've been handed an invitation to do something. So this relationship that we have with God is an invitational relationship. And he says, hey, if you're actually going to come after me, let me show you what you got to do. And then he says this. He says, if anyone would come after me. Let him do three things. This is what it means to follow me. So he tells you at the end, but he gives the prereqs at the beginning. Hey, to follow me means these three things. So now this morning, in our hearts, we can now say, are these three things true about us as a church? Are we following God in these three ways? Because to follow God in these three ways, we also must what? Follow them with other people. And I wonder if we're in the mess we're in here in this church. The church, we, I just got word that another church is going through stuff. All over America, churches are going through a lot of things. I wonder if it comes down to simply this. Are we following these two words? Follow me. You think about all the, the poor doctrine that's being taught. It's because we're not following him. I mean, it's pretty, I would say, black and white and red if you have a red Bible. Are we following him? Because now he says, if anyone would come after me and follow me, he's got to do these three things. The first thing he says, what, in the text? Deny himself. That word deny in the original means this. It means you must disdain yourself. Now, I don't know about you, but what other word is associated with the word disdain? You must hate yourself. Now, I want to go back to the text I was going to preach on where he says to us, you got to love God and love other people as you love yourself. So you got to love yourself, but where does that love have to come from? From following God. So when I look at myself and loving myself, do I disdain myself when I compare it to who I'm supposed to love? Remember what Jesus said. If you're going to come after me, you got to look like you hate your parents. Some of the teenagers are like, yeah, sign me up for that. But in comparison to how I love God, It must look like I really deny and hate myself. That's the first component of denial. Do we deny ourselves so much so because we love God and loving God, it looks like we hate ourselves? Or is what's true about us, we love ourselves more than we love God? I don't know about you, but when I read this text, it gets real convicting real fast because when I look at my life, In comparison to how I love God and love myself, if I'm honest, I love myself more than I love God. Because there's a lot of things in my life, if I'm true to you, I don't want to denounce, I don't disdain, I don't hate, and I don't want to reject. Because it's so self-serving and self-pleasing. Am I the only one in the room? But now what Jesus is saying, if you're going to love God and love other people... What are the things in your life? What are the things in my life that I have to disown to love God and love other people? Some of those things for me, I don't know. I'm just going to be honest. Maybe my honesty gets me fired. I don't know. I kind of don't care because honesty is the only way. The first thing for me that I am searching God for with where I'm not denying myself is this pride. Now, my pride doesn't come out all the time, but my pride is super inward. And the thoughts I have about me compared to the thoughts I have about you, you would not want to know. Because I, if I'm honest with myself and I'm honest, oftentimes I think I'm better than you. That's called pride. And here's the deal. If I don't think I'm better than you and I think you're better than me, what then what would I do internally? I'm envious. And in my envy, I want revenge. I'm going to make sure they're not better than me. Now, all that is like wickedly seductive because it's all inward. Thank God I have a little bit of self-control and a little bit of a brain that says, hey, to do that externally would be bad news. Like when I'm driving down the road, my internal processes ram them off the road. Especially on twenty-four. There's so many times, one day, I hope I never do this, and you you can do this, Uh, Kendrick told me they can do this in California, you can't do this here in Nashville, but the motorcyclists do it all the time. They like whiz right by you on the, like the middle of the lane, like that's not what that's for. One day I just want to take my door and just open it. Am I the only one that's ever had that thought? Okay, good. Yes, someone said yes, oh gosh. There's so many internal things in my mind. By the grace of God, I do have a brain that says, that's a bad idea. But, it, but what does Jesus tell us? It's not the actions. It's the heart. So if I'm honest, and if we're honest as a church, it's not always the actions, but it's where the heart is in it. Am I denying my flesh and my insides? because I'm prideful and I want revenge. That is a bad way to live. Now, it's a powerful way to live internally. But it's not how God's called us to externally at all. So the first place in you and me, because when we look at Jesus and that we follow him, what did Jesus do? He denied himself. Paul says it this way about Jesus. He, he, is, this will be my take on it, just for the sake of time. He said he emptied himself of everything to become a bondservant for me, you and me. You've got to remember where Jesus came from. He came from the throne of God. Like he had everything at his disposal at all times and literally all glory was due him at all times. And he said, I'll give all that up. I will empty myself. I will deny myself of that to become like a baby, to go through some of the most horrific things on the planet because I love God and I love other people. And then Jesus tells us in this passage, now you follow him, follow me. So if you want an example of what it means to deny yourself, read Jesus. And then we got to ask ourselves, are we following Jesus in the denial of ourselves? That's the first thing he says, is what it will look like. The second thing he says, this, I'm like, oh, come on, man. Why? Why? Why do you need to say that? He says, not only do you need to deny himself or oneself, you must take up your cross. Then he puts the last word in. I wish he would have skipped over. I wish he would have taken the first word. I wish he would just say cross and be done with it. But he says these two things that are sandwiched, the cross is sandwiched, take up and deny. The cross. The cross we all know. The cross was a tool from the Romans for execution, it was a wicked, shameful death. So he says to us one that denies himself now has to go. Be dead. But how does he tell us to be dead? Two ways. You first have to, what? Take up the cross. That means I got to go find it and take it up. That's not just given to me. That means I must, what? I must choose to die. I know all of us said we're willing to die. That's a different story than am I choosing to die we can all say i'm willing to die but not many of us would choose to die see a willingness and choosing are two different things but jesus says if you're going to follow me you must choose to die the choice is yours it's no he doesn't say hey you must you must be willing to take up your cross he says no you do take up your cross So now my question to myself when I'm reading this text, my question to you and the question to the church is what are we choosing to take up to die? An active pursuit of something, not just a willingness. So what are the things in your life, what are the things in my life, and then what are the things in the life of this church that we are choosing to take up in order to die, in order to deny self? Go back to pride, revenge, ego, my way. Another way to say is this. Are we willing to die to tradition? Are we willing to die to legalism? Because we want something greater for other people than we want for ourselves. But if we're honest, we want something greater for ourselves than we want for other people. We're selfish at our core, are we not? And this is what Jesus is getting at when he says this. You must take up your cross. And then look what he says daily. I don't want to have to do that on Monday. I don't mind doing it from 1015 to 1130 on a Sunday but I'm not sure I want to do it this afternoon. I definitely, when Friday rolls around, I definitely don't want to do it then. But Jesus is saying, you must choose daily the things to die to. So I have the question, Paul writes it out in Galatians, what are the things of the flesh that you and I must die to daily? Because in order to die to those things daily, that will be the only way you can flip over to Galatians Uh, chapter 5 to to read the list. He says this in Galatians chapter 5 verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the flesh. Another way Paul could say it is this if you follow Jesus, you will not gratify the flesh. And then he says, for the desires of the flesh are against the desires of the spirit, or following Jesus is against following the world. These two are opposed to each other, and they keep you from doing what you want to do. Sound familiar? And then he says this in verse 18. But if you were led by the Spirit or you followed Jesus, you were not under the law. Now this is the Bible stepping on your toes. This is not Todd stepping on your toes because it stepped on mine. He says this. Now here's the list of the works of the flesh. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of rage, rivalry, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, orgies. And then he's like, well, if I didn't make the list long enough, the things like these. Now, remember, those things don't have to necessarily be externally done because what did Jesus tell us? Out of our hearts come the overflow of life. Now, You read that and say, are any of these things true, both externally and internally of me? Or anything like these? He says, because if you live this way in the spirit, you can't actually, in the flesh, you can't actually do the things of the spirit. Well, what are the things of the spirit? He says, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. He says, but here's the fruit or the work of the spirit. Here's what it looks like for us to follow Jesus. Now we got to ask the question, are these things true of us? Not some of them, but all of them. It does not say the fruits of the spirit. It says the fruit of the spirit. That means everything is in one fruit. So all these things encompass one thing. So Is my life, is your life, is the life of this church known for these things? For the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Now what if our church was marked like that because we followed Him? Would it not show that we love God and we love others? Like, look at that list. What would it look like if we loved each other? What would it look like if we had joy with one another? What would it look like if we had peace with one another? What would it look like if we had patience with and for one another? What if we were kind to one another? What if we wanted goodness for one another? What if we were faithful to each other? What if we were gentle with each other? What if we had self-control? What if our church was marked with those things? Let's turn back to Luke chapter 9. He says that's what it would look like for us to deny ourselves, to take up our cross, because in denying ourselves, we'll and we'll have to kill the flesh and the things of the flesh. That is sacrificial, and let me tell you this, it's wickedly painful. To put the flesh to death is super painful, and it will cost you a whole lot. And I think we want to avoid the pain. So because we want to avoid the pain, we're not willing to put the things in our life to death that need to be put to death. Therefore, we can't do what he says next. We can't follow him. The word follow him means this. It's an ongoing act of obedience. Now, here's what it meant in that day to follow Christ. This is what the scholars say about following Christ, that we would walk so closely to the one that's in front of us as we follow. Another way would be, I'm going to step into his very footprints. So I'm going to do everything that Christ did. One writer says it this way. that They would say this about the disciples in that day for any rabbi that you would walk so closely with someone that you would be covered in their dust. Like, that's walking really close. How many of us don't walk that close to Jesus? Like, we see him, we're like, yeah, but I don't, I don't want to get dirty. And this is what he's saying. We must act in obedience. By following him, we must be obedient. The obedience is the denial of self and The places we must take up our cross daily. And so how are we doing that? How are we following Christ? Now the rest of the text, he just kind of lays it out. He says this. This is what you're doing. This is how you're not following me. He says forever would save his life, will lose it. But the one who's willing to lose his life for my sake will save it. He's saying most of you are not willing to lose your life. You want to keep it. Now, I'm not going to lie, this is a very comfortable life to live. I don't like persecution, I hate it, I don't enjoy it, I don't want it. But in doing that, I'm willing to live the comfortable life, not the sacrificial life. Now, I'm not telling anyone to go sell their house and move to Miramar. But I am asking you, what are the things in your life that you keep that are part of the world that you need to forfeit but because you're not forfeiting, you're actually for forfeiting your own soul. He goes on to say, for whoever is ashamed of me and of my words. Of him will the son of man be ashamed of when he comes in his glory. It's real easy to know if you're ashamed of his words or not. It goes back to what he said daily. You know you're ashamed of his words if you're not willing to follow his words. If you're not doing this and what it calls you to do, you're ashamed of it. And what does he say? This is the reason daily interaction with God's word is so important, not just Sunday morning, Sunday evening, or Wednesday night. Daily. And he goes on to say, because the Son of Man will be ashamed of you in front of the Father. What that simply means is He never knew you. Now He's talking about eternal salvation. That's what this text has to do with. And then verse 27, He says, But truly I tell you, there are some here who are standing who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. What He's basically saying is there are some people here in our midst, I believe some of it's talking about the um, more in the future about the the criminal on the cross. Like, he, like there's things that we won't see, we don't see, we don't understand. They won't taste death until they see the kingdom of God. But the question that you and I have to answer this morning is this. Those original two words following him, is that true of you? Here's how you know it's true of you. Here's how I know it's true of me. Here's how I know it's true of this church. Those three things. Are we denying ourselves? Are we choosing to take up our cross and follow Him? And will we be obedient to that and all that God has called us to do? Now that means, do we know this? Do we know this? We know what God's calling us to then the byproduct will the fulfillment of the greatest commandment. You will love God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and you will love others the exact way you love yourself. May we live in the denying of ourselves daily. Let me pray for us.